Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a special episode of So A Married Horror Fan. This is a uh, one-off episode. It's a review episode. And today we are looking at the Batman, the 2022 uh, detective crime comic book story uh, directed by Matthew Reeves. And for any of you that have listened to our, basically any of our reviews that have been side reviews that have been released opening weekend, um, you will know that we do this one of two ways. So we will do a opening sort of 15, 20 minutes of um, non-spoilers. So you can kind of get a general idea of how uh, we, or in this case, particularly I felt about the film without having anything ruined for you <clears throat> past that point though it will be fair game i will give you guys a warning and then we will go into the full spoilers of the review um everything will be time stamped in the episode description so you'll know when we go from spoilers to non-spoilers if you just want to listen to the spoiler part you know where to find it if you want to listen to the non-spoiler part etc you can just dig in and out when you want to based on the timestamps of the episode give me one second <clears throat> so let's uh let's kick it off um the first question i think everybody's pro probably gonna have is uh why is a horror site covering the batman and also the second question is where the fuck is lee well i can answer both of those questions in quick succession for you um firstly lee's not here because she doesn't like batman and she had little to no interest in seeing this movie um, so therefore, it was always going to be a solo review. Um, it's, Batman's just not something that Lee is terribly interested in. And to be honest, she kind of contributes so much content to this site alongside me. I think we can kind of, kind of give her a day off. Um, and the thing is as well, the second reason, is Batman a horror movie and why are we covering it? Well, <clears throat> twofold. I put a really poll out on our social media and asked if people wanted us to review the Batman and we got an overwhelmingly positive uh, feedback. Uh, over 100% of the votes were for yes. So that kind of suggests to me that there were people out there that wanted us to cover this. Um, and also, this is kind of a horror movie. Uh, without getting too much into it, if you have seen the trailers, you kind of get the general idea of what this movie is about. And I think the creative team behind it have made no bones about it, that they kind of were inspired by a lot of David Fincher's movies, um, Seven and Zodiac in particular, when they were crafting the, the character of uh, the Riddler and the overall kind of story that the film takes on. Um, it's kind of a weird film to categorise because at its heart and soul, it is a Batman movie. Uh, but it is unlike any Batman movie you have seen before, but also like every Batman movie you have seen before. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in the spoiler section. But rest assured, there are a lot of horror elements in this movie. Um, I think that's something that Matt Reeves does very, very well. Um, if you look at all of Matt Reeves's films, Cloverfield, Let the Right One In, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes particularly... He has, an, he has an innate sensibility and an eye for horror, even when he's not making a film that is expressly horror. 
there are things in it that will always come across in a horror light or be framed in a way that could be uh, horror adjacent, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I had ridiculously high expectations going into this movie. Um, I am a lifelong Batman fan. I think I remember saying on our Sleepy Hollow episode when we discussed Tim Burton for the first time, um, I have very vivid memories of growing up with Batman as a child. My first ever memory of seeing anything Batman related is probably being about six years old um, and running around my parents' front room in a Batman costume uh, while Tim Burton's 1989 Batman was on in the background. Um, so I kind of grew up with uh, Tim Burton's bat version of Batman, uh, his vision for Batman and uh, what Michael Keaton brought to that role. And for the record, because <clears throat> I don't think I've actually ever said it on an episode of the podcast because we've never really talked about Batman. For my money, Michael Keaton is the best version of Batman overall that's ever been put on screen. Um, purely because I think that he plays both Bruce Wayne and Batman in a way that is complementary to each other. And I think he is the only actor that has understood the psychology of both characters and portrayed that on screen. Um, and I think a large part of that is working with Tim Burton because Tim Burton was very interested in the kind of ideology of what would make somebody who went through this terrible tragedy grow up to want to become somebody who dresses up like a a bat, basically, uh, and become a vigilante. And it's very obvious from watching Batman and Batman Returns that uh, Tim Burton had a very good understanding of those characters. Whereas when you look at, say, Joel Schumacher's versions of Batman with Val Kilmer and George Clooney, uh, even Christopher Nolan's version and Zack Snyder's version, they seem to nail one or the other version of the character. Um, I think that uh, both Joel Schumacher's films, uh, both Val Kilmer and George Clooney, nailed the idea of who Bruce Wayne was, but not necessarily Batman. I think Christian Bale nailed what it meant to be Batman, but not necessarily Bruce Wayne. And if I'm being completely honest, I don't think Christopher Nolan is very interested in who Bruce Wayne is as a person. Um, and that shows throughout his trilogy. Uh, Bruce Wayne, for all of the times that he's in, Christopher Nolan's films never really feels that important to the story. Um, and it's kind of the same with Zack Snyder's version. Uh, you don't really see a whole heap of Bruce Wayne in either the jo Joss Whedon version of Justice League, the Zack Snyder version of Justice League, or the uh, Batman versus Superman. It's very much Zack Snyder's focus was on Batman as a character. And I think he, he the scenes that he has with Batman, the fight scene in the factory, particularly in Batman versus Superman, and some of the sequences that are in his version of Justice League, really showcase the fact that he wanted to show off a version of Batman. So I was kind of interested when Robert Pattinson signed on to the role um, under the direction of Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves is a filmmaker that I greatly uh, appreciate his work. Um, I think we spoke about it on our remakes episode, which came out also today, 4th of March, um, that Let Me In is the only one of his films I haven't seen, but I loved everything else. Um, and I think Robert Pattinson is a very interesting casting choice for both Batman and Bruce Wayne. And it kind of, when you see the film, it makes a lot more sense in context. Um, 
for those of you that are, are concerned about how much Batman you are going to get in The Batman, I will tell you now, this movie is nearly three hours long. And I think Bruce Wayne is in about 15 minutes of it. Um, every other time you see Robert Pattinson on screen, he is Batman. He is in the suit. Um, and I think Bruce Wayne is maybe in about five scenes in this movie. But I will say, and I'll get more into the scene when I do the spoiler part of this review, my favourite Bruce Wayne scene ever put on screen in either live action, video game or animated is in this movie. Um, if that kind of gives you any indication of how he is in the role, my favourite ever Bruce Wayne scene committed to any form of media is in this movie. Um, performance wise, uh, everybody feels very well cast in this movie. It feels like a lived-in world. Uh, Gotham City itself feels like a living, breathing part of this world. Uh, Gotham City, in a lot of live-action Batman media, tends to uh, come across not great. It never. There are some films where it feels like a lived-in place, and there are other films where it does not. Um, the Joel Schumacher movies, R.I.P. Joel Schumacher, God rest his soul, um, they always felt like Gotham City was never a real place. And similarly with Tim Burton, it never felt like a real place. Um, that's something that Christopher Nolan did very well with his movies. He he kind of made Gotham City central to the stories. And that's kind of what Matt Reeves does here. Um, even though Gotham City is a composite of Glasgow, Liverpool, Chicago and a couple of other shooting locations. It never feels like it's not one whole complete real lived in place um, that's populated by real people, um, which is fascinating considering they are three very different locations that they filmed the film in. Um, and I think this film, the main takeaway that I took from it was... Um, I think a lot of people's mileage will depend on what they want from it. This is very much a detective story and it feels very grounded and very real and it's not super action heavy um, and I think it doesn't need to be because it's not that kind of film. That's not to say that there isn't action in it um, and when the action comes, it's spectacular. And I would recommend seeing this on the biggest screen that you can. Um, I know that it has been released in premium format. It's been released in IMAX. And also, if you are lucky enough to have a 4DX screen anywhere near where you live, um, it is in 4DX as well. Um, although I imagine, given the fact that it never stops fucking raining in this movie, uh, that that would be a very... Um, moist experience for audiences so maybe don't go and see it in 4dx the first time um but yeah i will say it's one of those movies that i feel like you cannot take a whole complete opinion away from it on a first viewing because there are so many things that the movie does and it rattles along even with a three-hour running time at kind of a relentless pace um, and I feel like because of the mystery at the heart of the film, um, Matt Reeves kind of strikes me as the director that's hidden things 
in plain sight. So I feel like when you go back and rewatch it, there are going to be very obvious things that will uh, be picked up on second, third, and maybe even fourth viewings. Um, but because you're so immersed in the story and what's going on on the first viewing, it's very easy to miss those things. Um, and there are, there are some incredible shots in this movie as well that if you're not really paying attention, um, you could easily miss as well. There are some scenes in this movie that I thought were reminiscent of The Night House and The Invisible Man. Um, and I will explain that a little bit more in the spoiler part of this review. Um, but it's more from a shot composite standpoint rather than a holy fuck there's a ghost in this scene sort of standpoint. Um, overall, I think the Batman is a very big achievement. It's a very big swing of a movie. Um trying to recontextualize what Batman means um, and has mean, meant to audiences over the last sort of 60 years. It's a very interesting take on the source material. Um, I think that it's the most faithful to the source material that we have ever gotten, um, especially in live action. Um, I think there are elements of every iteration of Batman in the modern era that you could pinpoint in this. Um, and I think ultimately your relationship to Batman and what you want to get out of this film determine, will determine how much you do or don't like this film. Um, I would say definitely go in with an open mind because you're not going to be treated to the same films that you have seen over the last 15 years anybody that saw the trailer and thinks that they're going in and getting Nolan light I think is probably going to be disappointed um, but also at the same time it's very hard not to walk away from this film having seen shades of Christopher Nolan's work in it um, but ultimately the Batman is one of those movies where if it was any other type of film, this would be probably in the Oscar conversation. If Robert Pattinson was just playing a man called Bruce Wayne who happened to be a detective who was hunting down a serial killer um, and he wasn't Batman and it wasn't related to a comic book property, I think we would very, very definitely be talking um, awards and we would be talking probably awards for best director, potentially best screenplay, certainly uh, makeup effects, um, cinematography, possibly actor and supporting. But because it's a comic book movie, we won't get any of those um, things. And I think that's a crying shame because, you know, you look at a film, for example, like The Departed, which is what Martin Scorsese won his best director Oscar for back in 2007. And it's very hard not to see parallels between this and that in certain aspects. And you kind of look at a film from the technical standpoint for both and the acting standpoint and you think, well, that film is obviously and very obviously was in the conversation and this film should be too. In much the same way that I felt like The Dark Knight should have been when it was nominated, when it was nominated for Heath Ledger's performance in 2008. That movie, to me, much like this movie, transcends... Uh, subgenre, <coughs> excuse me, and just because it is 
uh, adapted from a source source material that is uh, comic books, it doesn't make it any less of a film. In the same way that I feel with horror movies, when you look at things like over the last few years, you look at Elizabeth Moss's performance in The Invisible Man, Lupita Nyong'o in Us, Rebecca Hall in The Nighthouse, all performances that should have been by rights nominated for Oscars and those films should have been nominated for more awards, but did not win just because of the genre that they are attached to. Um, with that said, I think that kind of is as far as I can go in a non-spoiler sense uh, with my thoughts on the Batman. So we are going to stop here. This is the stopping point for the non-spoiler section of the review. Uh, from this point forward, everything from now on will be a spoiler. I will not be holding anything back. We will be going full spoilers uh, in five, four, three, two, one. I can only assume if you guys are still here, you have already seen the Batman or you don't really care about spoilers. I will say once again, this is now the spoiler section of the review. If you are listening to this, be warned. I am going to break my thoughts down on the entire film uh, with heavy spoilers. Please don't come at us in the comment section if you chose to listen to this and you feel like the film was spoiled for you. You have had ample warning that we are now going into the spoiler section of the review. One more time, from this point forward, everything is going to be a spoiler for The Batman. So, The Batman, 2022. Written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Directed by Matt Reeves. Based on the detective comic series Batman. Created by Bob Kane. We have in this movie Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. We have Zoe Kravitz as Selina Kyle slash Catwoman. We have John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. We have Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot slash The Penguin. We have uh, Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant James Gordon. And we have probably the most terrifying part of this movie... Paul Dano as Edward Nashton slash the Riddler. That is your principal cast. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard does rock up in this movie for a little bit um, as a uh, the, the DA of Gotham City, uh, Gil Coulson, but he's not really in the movie for very long. Um, uh, we also, sorry, I, I, I left one person out. We also have Andy Serkis, the great Andy Serkis, um, as Alfred Pennyworth, who is, as you all know, the loyal butler of Bruce Wayne. So, The Batman, it's finally here. After all of the talk, all of the delays, all of the infighting online between, you know, what's happening with various different timelines and things in the DCEU and the whole Save the Batfleck, Restore the Snyderverse, all of that sort of stuff... Um, we finally are here with a brand new live action Batman movie entitled The Batman. I guess what you guys really want to know is, is it any good? And it's a resounding fuck yes. Um, this movie is so good. It's so jam-packed with everything and anything that a Batman fan could and should want from a Batman movie. Um, Batman 
in the comic books is known as the world's greatest detective and jesus christ they give you a detective story with batman in it um it's one of those films where you walk away from it and your brain is a little bit scrambled because it's a long movie <clears throat> um as is well documented this is a three-hour film um but it's a three-hour film that gives everybody time to breathe um it plays its story out very well um Every character feels like they are part of something in some way or another. Um, I was very concerned, I must admit, when I saw that they were kind of going the multiple villains route. Because as we've seen with some comic book movies in the past, um, multiple villains don't always work. And someone always ends up getting short shrift. Um, with this movie, I think for the story that they built, um, the three main uh, villains, if you want to call them that, that they used... Um, are still kind of at very, two of them at least are at very early stages in their origins and their kind of development. So it's kind of a really wise play for them to have put them in this story at the point with which they are the characters that they are. So the Riddler uh, is the main villain and the main focal point of the film. Um, as you will all know, if you've seen the trailer, he is... Uh, the kind of main antagonist in this film. You've got Colin Farrell, uh, who plays the Penguin, who is kind of starting that rise. He's at the moment, he's a kind of low-level mobster working alongside Carmine Falcone. He's not quite the Penguin yet. However, by the time the movie ends, he is well on his way to becoming that character or to start the journey of becoming that character that we all know. Um, Catwoman, again... Selena Kyle, should I say, is kind of, she's at a point where her story takes her in a very interesting direction, and she is a cat burglar, but she's not the, like, the cat woman that we all know and love just yet. She's still a little bit rough around the edges, she's still kind of finding her feet. We don't really know how anything about her and how long she has been um, cat burgling. We do find out in the film that she is Carmine Falcone's daughter. Uh, we find out that he had a, some sort of relationship with her mother uh, and she was the result of that relationship, which is kind of what happens. Uh, so we find out that her mum dies and that she um, obviously turns to a life of crime because he basically gave up on her and she now feels that she is owed something from him she's owed a part of his empire some of his money so she starts you know turning into a life of crime um and then batman in this movie is two years so he's in year two this is a year two story um he is in the second year of becoming batman we find out that his parents died 20 years ago which means that he would have started being batman around about the 18th anniversary of that death um they, they, they do some really interesting things with Batman in this movie. Um, I will say up top that this movie feels like a really interesting combination of Seven, obviously, Saw, uh, The Crow in, in places, uh, more of a visual sense than that, than, than the kind of story, um, and Watchmen. Um, and everybody's about to go, oh, fucking Watchmen sucks. 
like they always do. Uh, for my money and for my for if my opinion means anything, which it probably doesn't, um, I think Watchmen is the greatest comic book adaptation of all time. Um, but when I say it's akin to Watchmen, what I mean is there are scenes. I think Robert Pattinson's portrayal of Batman kind of reminds me of Rorschach at certain points. So he's keeping a journal of what he calls the Gotham City Project, which is his Batman journals. Um, and there's certain points of this movie where he does voiceover. So he tells you sort of what date it is and sort of he tells you a little bit of his inner monologue, which I found really fascinating. Um, he's kind of talking about how he's become nocturnal and how he's sort of become vengeance and how he's become becoming the Batman. But he's not really he's he's kind of at that early stage of being a Batman where he's not quite figured out yet who, where Bruce Wayne ends and where Batman begins. So he's kind of trying. He's he's more. He's basically given up on the idea of Bruce Wayne and he basically just wants to be Batman all the time. He's not living that double life that we kind of see uh, in all the other iterations. This is definitely not the billionaire playboy philanthropist version of Batman that we're used to seeing. Uh, this Batman, this Bruce Wayne really just wants to be left the fuck alone. And it's really interesting when you... They die, they go to the places that they go in the story um, as to the reasons why his portrayal of Bruce Wayne is the way it is. And it's such a fascinating portrayal of Bruce Wayne that is kind of similarly in line with Michael Keaton's, but a little bit more restrained on the, on the, on the sort of billionaire playboy sort of side of things. Um, you kind of see the only public appearance he really makes in this movie as Bruce Wayne, son of Thomas and Martha, is at the funeral scene, which you will have seen clips from in the trailer. Um, other than that, the other scenes where he's Bruce Wayne are kind of more low-key scenes. There's no love interest in this. There's no kind of sense of, you know, him being this Bruce Wayne that we've come to know. And I really appreciate that that kind of change in pace um, because it kind of leans more into the tra trauma and the psychology of the character of, like, what happened to him as a child informed the kind of adult that he would become um and it's an interesting take and i remember a lot of interviews with matt reeves and especially rob pattinson talking about how they crafted the character and how they wanted the character to feel like kurt cobain um which is very prevalent in the film there are certain scenes where it's more prevalent than others but i really just appreciated that kind of restrained um reclusive kind of uh bruce wayne it was it was a very interesting take and i i hope that they kind of explore more of that in any potential sequels as i say bruce wayne is only in about 15 minutes of this movie um it's a very very like non-bruce wayne story -y. even though uh he bruce wayne gets dragged into it um and the riddler's ultimate plan traces back to Bruce Wayne and the Wayne family it's very much not about Bruce Wayne it's very much about Batman um with that said my I mentioned it in the if you listen to the non-spoiler part of this review my favorite Bruce Wayne scene of all time is in this film um and it's about two-thirds of the way into the film um so there's a scene, sequence in the film where the Riddler sends uh, Bruce Wayne C4 in, in the mail. 
and Alfred opens it and it blows a hole through um, Wayne Manor and uh, Alfred gets injured and they think that he's going to die and Bruce goes to visit him. Bruce Wayne finds out throughout the movie that his father worked with Carmine Falcone. He confronts Carmine about it. Carmine lies to him and says that Salvatore Moroni, who's a crime lord from Batman lore, basically had his parents killed. But yes, he he did do something. He basically killed someone for Thomas Wayne to cover up some of the Wayne family secrets. Uh, secrets, sorry. And it kind of fucks with Bruce in a way that you're, you've never seen him be fucked with before. Because Bruce Wayne, as a child, goes as he's always as his parents have always been kind of betrayed. You know, he had this idyllic life. He was the son of a billionaire. You know, his parents got murdered in Crime Alley, blah, blah, blah. We all know the story. Um, and the reason why he becomes Batman is to kind of ensure that that never happens to anyone else ever again. And the revelation that his father had ties to the mob and may have had someone killed uh, and his parents aren't the people that they thought he was kind of messes with him a little bit. And there's a sequence where he's talking to Alfred at the, at the hospital and um, Alfred kind of says to him, that's, that's not true. Like, he loved you. He loved your mother. What he was doing was to protect you. Um, he never thought that Carmine Falcone would kill that person. Um, but, you know, Falcone wanted something to hold over your dad's head for when he became mayor. Um, and Bruce kind of says to him, he says, like, I'm paraphrasing because the scene, I was so immersed in the scene, I don't know the dialogue exactly. But Bruce Wayne looks at Alfred and he says to him you know he said I thought I had a handle on this he said I'm not afraid to die he said I don't fear dying he said but what I don't have a handle on and what I thought that I could control was the fear of losing someone else that I care about and it's such a great scene and it's one of those scenes where you everything that you kind of knew about Bruce, his relation to his parents and him becoming Batman is kind of recontextualized because he starts to think, you know, if my parents were bad people, like, what am I doing? Why have I become Batman? Like, what is the symbol of like, you know, everything I stand for? And then he takes that into the conversation with Alfred and Alfred kind of says to him, like, look, you know, your parents were good people. Um, and he kind of says about how, nearly losing Alfred, like, scared the hell out of him. And, he, and and Alfred kind of says to him, he says, you know, I I wasn't there for you growing up. Like, you needed a father, and all you got was me. And it's one of the best written and well-acted. It's only, like, a five-minute scene in the movie. Um, and it just brings so much more emotional weight to to Bruce Wayne and to, to who he is. And, to, and I think that one scene alone did more to kind of re-establish his psyche, his emotional state, and the fact that the way that he grieved his parents' death and the way he kind of views what he does as Batman and how it affects the people around him than I've ever seen in, in anything else before. And, um, yes, it's really, really interesting. In terms of um, the rest of the story, the story itself uh, that this movie constructs the fact that there's so many plot threads that, that they weave in and out of all of the different characters and the fact that they kind of do it without really tripping themselves up is kind of really, really well done. Um, 
you've got the so I guess we've talked a little bit about Batman. I guess you guys want to hear about the Riddler, right? So the Riddler in this movie is fucking outstanding. Um my three favourite Batman villains of all time are the Scarecrow, the Riddler, and the Joker in that order. Um they are all human, they're all men. Um they're all like the same kind of power level as Batman, but I've always appreciated the villains more that used human psychology and uh, the idea of like good and evil and what people are really capable of um, against him rather than like the hulking brutes that could like break his back and shit like that. Um, I find the character of the Scarecrow to be absolutely fascinating and I think Killian Murphy absolutely nailed that role when he played him in uh, Christopher Nolan's trilogy. Um, I think the Riddler... Uh, as portrayed by Jim Carrey, is cool. Like, I was 10 years old when Batman Forever came out, and I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan, so I'm always going to have a soft spot for the way that he played the Riddler, but I never felt like his Riddler was menacing. Um, this Riddler is fucking terrifying. Like, genuinely, there are scenes in this movie where I was genuinely, like, squirming in my seat because he was making me so uncomfortable. Um... And he never really... The, the great thing about this movie, so if you're listening to this movie anywhere else in the world, this movie is like a PG-13. In the UK, it's a 15, which is bonkers. I don't know how we rate movies over here. This movie has the same rating as Deadpool and The Suicide Squad over here, which were both R-rated movies in America. Um, I don't think they could have lowered the rating, but at the same time it's kind of hard to argue as to why the film got the rating. Uh, what Matt Reeves does with the Riddler in particular and the way that he sets up the Riddler and some of the Riddler's traps um, and shoots them is fascinating. Uh, there's a particular scene where he... It's, it's shot kind of similarly to the opening scene of Urban Legend uh, where the Riddler pops out the backseat of someone's car. Uh, it's Coulson's car. And uh, puts like the gaffer tape over his mouth and then straps a bomb collar to him. But what Matt Reeves does is he kind of blurs the lens. So you know what's happening, but it's kind of blurred out. So they've put the blurring on it to obviously lower the rating. But it doesn't take away any of the horror of the moment. It's just not as explicit as you would think it would be. Um, the movie does crawl very, very close to the line but it just stops of being Saw or being Seven. Um, there is a version of this movie that if they had wanted to, they it would have just been a slasher Batman movie. Because the Riddler is a fucking psychopath. The Riddler is Jigsaw. The Riddler is John Doe. The Riddler is like a fucking lunatic in this movie. Um, and he is... The, he is uh, basically a, he is a serial killer like he is fucking frightening um there are a couple of sequences in this movie particularly there's a sequence involving a rat trap uh which is some fucking jigsaw shit um and it made me quite uncomfortable um and the way that he like live streams the murders is really interesting as well um, but yeah, it's all in the demeanor when he's got, so you, by now, I imagine you guys have all seen what the Riddler looks like with the combat mask, the saran wrap, the glasses, the jacket. 
Um, the fact that you can't see his face and a lot of it is eye work and vocal stuff is really interesting. Um, there's some of his scenes where he's torturing people via the live stream are very reminiscent of the scene in Batman. Not Batman, The Dark Knight, sorry, where the Joker has the guy dressed as Batman on the video and he's screaming at him and it's that kind of uncomfortable holy shit, like, this guy is capable of anything, and, like, what... And they kind of keep upping the ante a little bit with his traps and his live streams and things like that. Um, I think the character um, is going to play differently for different people. Um, I think there will be a lot of comparisons to Heath Ledger's Joker, and in when the third fucking act of the movie comes in... Uh, Bane as well because he feels in some parts like a composite of both characters but also his own thing um he is very very different to any version of the Riddler we have ever seen before and I really appreciated that I really appreciated the fact that they basically took the idea of the Riddler and what he would be now um and especially into, like, this is a Batman movie that across the board speaks to the, the time period and the society that we're living in now. You know, you're seeing the Riddler live stream murders on, like, what looks like Instagram Live or Facebook Live or TikTok. And as we know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get the fucking House of Zuckerberg after me, but we do know from living in the world that we live in that, you know, everybody has a mobile phone now. Everybody has access to streaming, you know, um, a lot of crimes, a lot of murders, a lot of things like this do get live streams now, do get put on social media. Um, so it's kind of presci prescient that you, your villain in this movie, uh, as he's torturing people, is live streaming it. Um, it kind of it kind of bases that in the real world and bases it in the time period that we're in now. Um, and it's a fascinating take on that. Um, character um the riddles are kind of secondary i mean the riddles are in the movie but they kind of are secondary um to just how genuinely fucking terrifying he is um if they thought that they were gonna have a hard time fucking selling toys after batman returns came out holy fuck um this yeah they ain't ain't fucking little jimmy and susie ain't getting no fucking happy meal toys from this movie let me tell you that um, and I say that as a person who has on his shelf, uh, over from where I'm sitting, a Batman and Riddler from this movie, Fungo Pop, sat on my shelf, because uh, I'm a nerd. Um, but yeah, Paul Dano's performance is fucking amazing. Um, I was concerned when they had scenes with him with the mask off that he wasn't going to be as scary without the outfit on. Uh, there is a scene that is very Silence of the Lambs-esque towards the end of the movie, uh, where Batman is having a conversation with him in Arkham and he is completely stripped of the outfit and it is the Paul Dano that we all know from The Girl Next Door and There Will Be Blood and uh, Little Miss Sunshine and Prisoners, etc. Um, and he's it, he's somehow more unsettling when he hasn't got the, the outfit on. Um, he is another one of those, uh, I want to say, kind of self-righteous characters in the sense that you know like when people watch Saw and they're like oh fuck John Kramer he's a self-righteous prick 
Um, I can imagine a lot of people are going to say this about the Riddler when his ultimate plan and the reason why he's doing everything comes to fruition and he kind of confesses what he's doing. Um, essentially, he was an orphan who lived in an orphanage that was funded by Thomas Wayne. Um, <clears throat> and then after Thomas Wayne died, nobody gave a shit, basically, and the orphanage was left to rot. Um, and he's kind of... He's kind of angry that Batman was left orphaned, but he was a billionaire while him and other fellow orphans were left to die, essentially, is what his the whole crux of his argument is. So he wants to take down the most powerful people in Gotham for what he feels um, was, was kind of his reason for being, I guess, and the way he grew up. Um, he kind of talks about how Bruce Wayne wasn't an orphan. He was a fucking billionaire who inherited inherited the keys to the kingdom while he was basically left to become a drug addict and die um uh, it's quite harrowing like his story what he the, the way that he tells his story is kind of a bit distressing and it's a bit upsetting um but ultimately it's a uh, i i hate the fact that i was put out like garbage while you were treated like a king um it's kind of similar to how Blofeld is in the later, the latest James Bond movies. It's like, hey, you were thought of better than me, and why wasn't why wasn't I given your life? Why did no one give a fuck about me? So, kind of like that side of things is a little bit of a like the the ultimate reveal of why he's doing what he's doing and who he is is a little a little bit of a letdown. Um, but the performance is excellent. Um, and I want to see more of him in this world. I want to see, maybe not in the next movie, but like a couple of movies down the line, I want to see who he becomes. Because at the end of this movie, he gets apprehended, he gets put in Arkham, and he just fucking flips his shit, basically. Um, and he's, you, you can kind of see the mechanisms of his brain working and where he goes from here and I really want them to explore the Riddler after he's been in Arkham for a couple of years and, and what that's done to him um, and I want to see if they can kind of make him even more unhinged if that's even possible because he is I mean I will say a lot uh, and if you stop me in the street and get me started we'll have a very long conversation I think Paul Dano's or Dano sorry's performance is one that we will be talking about for years to come, and we will be talking about it in those hallowed breaths with Heath Ledger and Killian Murphy and, you know, Joaquin Phoenix as his portrayal of the Joker. We will be talking about this performance for a very long time. Um, and he almost very nearly steals the show. Um, if it wasn't for the third act... Um, and where the third act goes, I think if the movie had ended at the natural ending point when it should have ended, um, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a stellar performance. Um, Oswald Cobblepot. Let's talk about the Penguin a little bit. Uh, the Penguin is fucking great in this movie. Uh, Colin Farrell absolutely smashes it out of the park. Uh, he doesn't get a whole heap to do in this movie. Um, a lot of his stuff is in the trailers. Um, he he's kind of a low-level crime boss. He's working like basically peddling drugs. Works for Carmine Falcone. Um, he is part of a syndicate with like the DA, you know, dirty cops, etc. They helped to get another 
you know, Salvatore Moroni. At the beginning of the movie, we find out he got busted for drugs. Essentially, it was all set up by this consortium of criminals and dirty cops to get him out of the way so that they could kind of run the empire and take over the crime in Gotham City. Penguin is a part of that. Um, he's kind of a side character. Um, his his storyline does come into focus in the second, like in the middle of the movie, towards the second half of the movie. Um, I want to see more of him. Uh, I think Colin Farrell's performance is really, really good. Um, I think the way that his arc is set up, um, he essentially says that Falcone is a rat to try and get him out of the way. Falcone gets shot, or Falcone, sorry, gets shot, gets killed, um, and it sets up at the end of the movie that there is going to be a power grab, and the person to do that power grab is going to be the Penguin. So I feel like the Penguin origin is done we are ready to hit the ground running if they want to make him the main villain of the next one or if the tv series that is coming will flesh out that character more and we kind of see those years leading up to the sequel where he has taken over that power and he has become the penguin that we all know uh time will tell on that one as to where they go with the character colin farrell's performance is fucking amazing though um it's really hard to kind of do something different to what Danny DeVito did. Um, of the record, Batman Returns is my favourite Batman movie. So watching this, like, pretty much 30 years after that movie came out and seeing uh, different iterations of Catwoman and the Penguin is really, really cool. Um, and it's really cool seeing Colin Farrell do something completely different with the role. Um, and the car chase sequence that's shown in the trailer is fucking amazing um and the way that that whole sequence is shot and then what that leads to and um, there's a really cool scene after that where um gordon and batman apprehend him and it's kind of a light-hearted like good cop bad cop scene and it's just really funny um and uh, there's a little visual gag in there as well like they have his legs like duct taped up and he's kind of waddling like a penguin it's really fucking funny um selena kyle great in this movie uh zoe kravitz again doesn't get a ton to do what she does do feels very in line with uh the other cat women uh she's not fucking mental uh like michelle pfeiffer's one which is uh still the benchmark for me i still think michelle pfeiffer's the, the best cat woman of all time but what zoe kravitz does with the role is she kind of plays a different version of her we are meeting selena kyle a different version in her life um and she's just she's just someone who's just trying to get what she feels is owed to her and just kind of live a quiet existence and just constantly seems like she's running from her past. But she has an amazing amazing chemistry with Robert Pattinson. Um, they kind of tease a love story, um, but they never really follow through on it. Um, and the scenes where they're working together are really interesting. Um, she calls him vengeance a few times in the movies, which I think is in the in the movie, which I think is really funny. Uh, it's really funny hearing other characters call Batman vengeance because um, that's what she calls him for the majority of the time they're together and uh, Penguin calls him Mr. Vengeance a couple of times which is really funny um, generally speaking uh, yeah solid performances across the board I think the performance of Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon again still kind of early in his career he's not become the commissioner yet uh, he's still kind of finding his feet. You know, he's surrounded by a lot of dirty cops. 
trying to figure out who he can and can't trust, whether he's going to become a target of the Riddler. He's been working with Batman for two years. He has no idea who Batman is, but he's basically been working with Batman uh, since Batman appeared, uh, which causes some problems between him and his fellow cops. Um, but they have a really good dynamic. Uh, I think that Robert Pattinson and Jeffrey Wright work really well together as Commissioner Gordon and Batman. Um, and you can kind of see the trust levels there and kind of see that relationship that they've been forming over the last two years and ultimately the relationship that will be strengthened uh, when Gordon, if they make the sequel, uh, eventually becomes Commissioner. Um, I think the only character who really gets short shrift is Andy Serkis as Alfred because he doesn't get a whole heap to do in this movie. Um, his screen time is very limited uh, and he's kind of in and out of the movie. Um, but the scenes that he does have with um, Bruce Wayne are really interesting. Um, and you can kind of see that there's a bit more of a defiant kind of like attitude from Bruce to him. You know, at one point Bruce says to him, you're not, you're not my father. Um, and and um, there's a scene where just before the funeral scene, uh, Alfred gives him his cufflinks and he says, oh, he says, don't forget me, don't forget Bruce, you're still a Wayne. And he says, oh, are you a Wayne? And that's when Alfred sort of says to him, he said, your father give me these. So I think there's still kind of a tumultuous relationship of like, you know, Alfred has raised him from sort of 10 to where he is now in his life. Um, and I think there's still a lot of processing that this Bruce Wayne is doing of what happened to him and what happened to his parents and the fact that he's having to kind of, he's had to live this life without parents and Alfred's the only thing that he's got, but they do seem to have more of a tenuous relationship than any of the other Batman Alfred combinations that we've seen over the years. Um, but yeah, you don't really get a sense of who Alfred is in this movie, but I don't think it really matters because as I said before, this isn't a Bruce Wayne film. This is a fucking Batman film. Um, Overall, there are some really interesting uh, sequences in this movie. There's a fucking amazing callback towards the end of the movie. Um, I want to talk... Before I go into sort of some of my favourite scenes of this movie, I do want to talk about the ending. Um, this movie has more fucking endings than Return of the King. There are so many natural stopping points when this movie could have ended, um, but for some reason it keeps going. Um, about half an hour to 30 about half an hour to 40 minutes from the end they captured a riddler um and that's the scene that you see in the one of the latest trailers where he's in the coffee shop and they capture him uh and then it leads to the scene where batman's in the interrogation room with him and kind of like they explain what's happening you really could have ended the movie there with the riddler kind of explaining his plan and him being apprehended um and then you just tie up the loose ends of the, the other storyline but no, the movie goes full third act. Um, the third act kind of reminded me a little bit of The Dark Knight Rises um, and Fight Club. So yeah, let's talk about this ending. Uh, we find out from once uh, Edward Nashton, aka the Riddler, has been incarcerated, that he's been live streaming these murders and making these videos. Um, and he's got an online following. Uh, fringe types as one of the police officers says. So he's basically got a Riddler army. Um, this is nothing new. Uh, we see this all the time in life. People that feel disenfranchised, being radicalised by hate groups or you know other such groups or for a cause that they believe uh, to be righteous. Um, 
and once he's incarcerated, this army rises. So there is a whole sequence where he floods the seawall with seven vans full of explosives in Gotham City, and the whole city starts to flood. Everybody goes into what is essentially Madison Square Garden, but it's actually named Gotham Square Garden. Um, and then an army of people all dressed like the Riddler in the combat mask, with the glasses, with the jackets, everything, all armed, uh, basically take this place um, uh, with the ultimate goal of killing the mayor and kind of starting a revolution, I guess, rising up to take over Gotham City, for to take back Gotham City for the people that feel that they've been lied to. They basically bought into the Riddler's ideology and have decided to carry out that ideology for him now that he is incarcerated. Um, which kind of is also a bit like Fight Club. Uh, everybody thinks that Project Mayhem is a cool thing to do. It's taking back the power for the man against the establishment, uh, not realising that they're actually a terrorist group. Um and this is kind of the same thing. The Riddler is an anarchist, uh, an anarchist serial killer. Um, and so Batman rocks up, fights these dudes who are all dressed as uh, the Riddler. And there's an amazing callback in this sequence where if you've seen the first trailer or any of the trailers, you'll know that there's a sequence where there's a bunch of face painted thugs. And Batman fights one of them and he says to him, who are you? And he says, I'm vengeance. Batman takes down one of these guys dressed as a Riddler towards the end of the movie and they pull his mask off and Jim Gordon says to him, who are you? And he says, I'm vengeance. And it's the same guy that Batman beats up at the beginning of the film. So it's this kind of idea of cause and effect. Um, they believe now that what they're doing is right and they found their voice in the Riddler. And it's kind of that whole thing of like, you know, did the Riddler... Like, like, there's a whole conversation that the Riddler has with Batman when he's incarcerated and they have the interrogation scene. And he says to him, like, we did this together. He said, you showed me what a little bit of fear could do and what a little bit of, like, muscle and violence could do. And he's basically, through his riddles, helping Batman to take out or to kind of, like, lead him to the people that he needed to be taken out. Um, and it kind of is this whole... Did Batman create the Riddler? Did the Riddler create the Batman? Kind of dichotomy. Um, which is interesting. I personally could have done without the third act being the way that it was. Um, it, for me, is the only part of the film that felt a bit tacked on. Um, and it does. it is where the movie stretches a little bit towards the end. I didn't need the... Batman, the Riddler anarchy sort of mob. And I think a lot of people's... Because that's not really been his MO through the movie. He's been a lone gunman. He's been working on his own, trying to uncover this trail of like deception and conspiracy throughout Gotham's dirty police officers. Um, and I kind of don't really feel like we needed the whole army aspect of it and him like getting disciples and followers online. Um, it kind of... And this is why I say it kind of diminishes his role a little bit because it takes the focus off of him in the last act of the movie and puts it on the symbol that he becomes the same way that the Batman becomes a symbol. Um, and then you get the whole big, like, hey, a football stadium's exploding. Hey, it's flooded, like, blah, blah, blah. You get an action set piece to end the movie on, which you didn't really need. I felt like that wasn't the point of the movie. It's not an action-heavy movie. It's uh, actions have consequences, and these are the fucking dire consequences that you're going to face for your actions. 
but it's all done on the ground level without the explosions and all that sort of stuff. Um, that being said, I mean, it didn't... I don't, I don't hate the ending. I don't feel like the ending brought down my enjoyment of the film overall. I just feel like if people are going to walk away from this movie with one thing that I think is going to be a bugbear, it's going to be that. This is already a long movie, and I feel like cutting that scene or cutting that third act down uh, and taking that element out of it would have tightened the film up overall. Uh, with that said, there are obviously some parts of that sequence that do hold weight in the overall story. Um, I just think, for me personally, it was a bit unnecessary. Um, there are some really great character moments in this movie overall. I think the central plot is very interesting. I think the central idea of who the Riddler is in this world and what he is doing is interesting. I do think the whole Project Mayhem aspect of it at the end is a little bit too much and a bit of a step too far. Um, I understand why it's there because obviously, as I said, we are living in a world and have been for about 70 years where we've seen people be radicalised uh, and things like that. And we have seen hate groups rise and they are still a prevalent thing today. Um, so I do think keeping it in a grounded level and I do think if someone like the Riddler did exist in the way that he exists in this movie, this is probably where it would go if this was a real life situation. Um, I just think that it was a tad unnecessary to kind of tack that football stadium sequence on at the end of the movie. And it did feel a little bit like the end of The Dark Knight Rises, which to me is the only aspect of this film that I did think was derivative of the Nolan movies. Um, and it's the aspect where he kind of goes from being like the Riddler to a combination of the Joker and Bane, as I mentioned previously. Um but again, I don't think it was egregious enough that it ruined my enjoyment of the film overall. I just think there'll be a few people that'll be kind of looking at their watch, maybe going, come on, we've sat for a lot of this movie already. And if it's the one downside and one negative that I would take away from the film, it's that. Because everything else in the movie is so strong. Um, I love the relationship between Catwoman and Batman. Uh, I love the fact that they didn't push a full romance with it but they kind of gave them a sweet enough ending where they literally are riding side by side on their motorbikes and she goes one way, he goes another way at the end of the film. It kind of leaves them on a nice thread to kind of pick up a couple of years down the line, maybe when she does become more of a villain. Um, uh, yeah, this is this is a weird movie because it shows you a lot of origin stories, but not it never feels like an origin story. Every character in this movie feels lived in feels fleshed out it feels like a real world and that to be honest that's kind of the one thing i love the most about this movie is that they didn't dick about doing any origins or anything like that they kind of just drop you in the center of the world and go you're off to the races they're like you fucking know who batman is you know who the riddler is you know who the penguin is we don't need to spend a lot of time in this already long ass movie explaining to you where this guy comes from where she comes from where he comes from um they just drop you in the middle and go and it's, I love that. Um, I love that they had the balls enough and the trust enough in the audience to go, you know what, we've seen them fucking pearls hit the ground enough. It's over, it's done. We know how he became Batman. Um, and you already see him established as Batman. It, I love, I love, love, love that. Um, I think I think if they make more of these, I want Matt Reeves to direct every one of them. Uh, I want him to continue his world and to continue... Uh, living with these characters um, 
there is an interesting setup at the end of this movie uh, for what's to come. Um, and I'm really hoping they don't pay it off until another film. So if this is a trilogy, I hope they pay off that coda in the third movie rather than the second movie, because I think it's too quick to jump to that. Um, so there's a sequence towards the end of the movie where Edward Nashton is in Arkham and he hears a voice, which we are, which we know is Barry Keon. Um, he, you don't see him. You kind of see an eye and his hair. Um, and he kind of says something along the lines of, it's a shame what they did to you raining on your parade. One day you're the top of the food chain. The next day you're a clown. And he said, and he says, there are worse things that you could be. And he tells the Riddler a riddle. And then they both start laughing. Um, they don't expressly say that this is the Joker, but it's really fucking obvious that that's who it's supposed to be. And they are setting up the Joker in this world. Um, at what point in his life he would be the Joker, I don't know. Um, it seems like it would be kind of early in his career and maybe they're going the killing joke route of him kind of... If you've read The Killing Joke or seen The Killing Joke, you know that the Batman's... Uh, the, the Joker's origin in that is that he was a, a stand-up comedian whose wife got murdered and then he became the Joker. Um, it feels very much like he will be at an early part of his career and not quite the full-blown Joker that we're used to. Um, I'll be very surprised if he turns out to not be the Joker because it seems like such an obvious setup for him to be the Joker that it would make no sense if he then wasn't the Joker. I kind of want to see a bit more of this world though and I want to see a little bit more of Batman becoming the Batman that he is at a point when he would meet the Joker. Um, I don't want to see him face the Joker so young in his career. So I would say if we are looking at the Joker as the next stage, I would love to see the Joker be in the third movie. And I fully trust Matt Reeves to bring something different to the table, like he did with Catwoman, like he did with the Penguin, and certainly like he did with the Riddler. Um, I think this overall, like I'm just going to kind of give my overall thoughts now. My overall thoughts on the Batman are this is probably the darkest and scariest Batman movie after Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Tim Burton's Batman Returns is still my all-time favourite, closely followed by, I would say, The Dark Knight and then this. All three of those movies give you a terrifying sense of Batman's world, his rogues gallery, and give you genuinely nightmarish villains. And there's a great set of sequences in this movie, actually, where Batman is portrayed through the villain's eyes as terrifyingly as what the Riddler is seen through the police's eyes. The first time you see the Riddler is a fucking masterful scene. And I mentioned it right way at the beginning part of this episode. There is a scene where the, the mayor is watching TV and you see behind him a shadow. And all you see is the light slightly reflect off of the Riddler's glasses. And it kind of like your brain takes a moment because... The, Matt Reeves frames the scene in the sense that your brain goes, I've just seen something, but you're not really sure if he is there or not. Kind of like I was saying with the way that they play with space and scenes in the Night House and in The Invisible Man, 
you are aware in The Invisible Man that there are scenes that he is going to be in and your eyes are constantly looking for where he is. And the same with The Nighthouse. They frame things in shots to trick your brain into thinking that there is someone or something there. And the way that they shoot the uh, the Riddler in the first scene that you see him in this movie is so fucking good and it's so fucking scary when you realise that he is there. Um, and it's the same the first time you see Batman. So you see the Batman as him the first time in that sequence with the thugs of the face paint that are attacking someone in the train station. And all you see is them looking towards this dark black tunnel. And all you hear is the stomping of his boots. And it takes about 30 seconds of tension for him to appear. And then... It's that building tension of like, what the fuck are these people going to be confronted with? And he is, in certain sequences in this movie, portrayed to the villainous underworld as terrifyingly. And they fear him as much as what the regular people fear the Riddler. Um, and it's fascinating because you very rarely in these movies get Batman portrayed as terrifying and i imagine to a certain sect of people he would be fucking terrifying um so yeah it's kind of interesting how they're both kind of framed as like horror horror-esque characters in this um i would say that this is definitely the closest to a horror movie a batman movie has ever come and you could definitely view it through the lens of a horror movie as i say you could put this on alongside the likes of seven and the first Saw movie, which is primarily a detective film, and The Crow, and it sits shoulder to shoulder with those movies. Yes, it doesn't have the outright brutality that some of those movies do does, but the tension and the terror and the hor horrifying imagery is there. And as I said, with enough tweaks, this could be a fucking slasher movie i will say this on record now and i don't care if you agree with me or not because it's my personal opinion this movie is a better saw movie than spiral this movie tells a similar story to spiral and does it better than that film does the, the plot the central mystery is more interesting the idea of the Dirty Cop storyline is more interesting and the reveal at the end and the motivations are ultimately more satisfying. This movie works better as a Saw sequel than what fucking Spiral does. Um, just without the hideous gore. Um, but yeah, it's a beautifully shot movie. There's action, there's tension, there's nightmarish imagery. There's a genuinely frightening fucking villain at the centre of this thing. This movie looks gorgeous. Um, as I said, in any other genre or subgenre, this movie is getting nominated for Best Director and Best Cinematography. There are some shots in this movie that are absolutely gorgeous that you could freeze frame and you could put on your wall as art. Uh, there is a particular scene towards the end of the movie that is hinted at in the trailer where the Gotham Square Garden has flooded and Batman's got a flare 
and he's walking through the water and it's an overhead shot with the flare in his hand and the water is all red but there's like a police helicopter above and it goes from being blue and red, blue and red, blue and red and it's fucking gorgeous. It's such a stunning shot. Um, the, the chase sequence uh, particularly is one of the scenes that you are going to want to see on a big screen. It's one of the most thrilling car chases I have ever seen in any film and there are two sequences in this movie with the Batmobile that reminded me of Christine. Yes, they even make the Batmobile fucking cool and scary in this movie. The first time you see it and you see it rev up in an alleyway is kind of similar to how Christine comes to life right before she comes a victim down and there is that scene in the fucking trailer where they drive it through the fire and the Batmobile is briefly on fire for a split second which kind of reminds me if you've seen Christine the movie by John Carpenter based on the story by Stephen King there is a sequence in that movie where Christine is on fire and she is driving down an alleyway after someone and holy shit it's one of the greatest scenes in that film um and they, they give you kind of just a tiny touch of that when the Batmobile goes through uh, the flames and is briefly for like a split second on fire. And it is the coolest fucking shit. Um, there are so many nods to horror movies in this movie um, that if you think that this isn't a horror film or at least horror adjacent, you really just aren't paying attention. Uh, as I said, there are allusions to Saw, Seven, The Crow, Silence of the Lambs fucking christine of all things um yeah this movie is just it's so much movie and i don't think that you can get everything that you need from it on a first viewing but i think like all of the best batman movies this is not a movie that you're going to want to rush out and watch four or five times opening weekend opening week opening month this movie will get better and will retain its greatness over time with savoured viewings. So I I will say this in the sense that The Dark Knight came out in 2008. The Dark Knight is a fucking incredible film. I watch that movie once every couple of years and I think spacing the viewings out makes it a much better movie because it gives you time to forget things that happen in it. It gives you time to relive those moments almost for the first time again and to discover those sequences and to live in those moments in that movie after such a long period of not seeing it. And I think that's what the great thing about this movie ultimately will be. When I rewatch this movie in six months time or a year's time and I've had time to kind of almost forget about it, and then to rewatch it again with those fresh eyes and discover those scenes again that I love about it. To see the Riddler for the first time again. To see that car chase again for the first time. To live in those moments of having the Riddler make my skin crawl. To have those scenes where there is a scene in this movie that feels so much like the Arkham video games that... I just can't wait to see again. And it involves Batman going through a, a nightclub and he's literally going down the levels. He starts at the top, he jumps off a balcony, goes down and he's like fighting guys as he goes down the levels. And it feels so realistic and so lived in and so just everything that makes this character fucking cool is in this movie. And I feel like... I haven't really touched upon it and I'm going to kind of rattle through it now very quickly as I wrap this up. 
as much as this movie feels a part and a continuation of the films that have come before it, and there are definitely... It feels like every Batman movie you have seen before, and like no other Batman movie you have seen before. It especially will play for a certain audience that has played the Arkham video games, because it owes so much to those video games. The fight choreography, the villains, the detective work. You motherfuckers out there that have played the Arkham game know exactly what I'm saying. Spending your time fucking flying around Gotham City, collecting Riddler trophies, solving Riddler puzzles, putting hours and hours of work into those video games. That's kind of what this feels like in a condensed version. The fight sequences feel much more in line with how Batman moves and operates in the Arkham video games as opposed to he has the way he has in other Batman films. There is a realism, there is an authenticity, there is a holy shit, this is something that could literally happen in our real world today feel to it that makes this movie stand head and shoulders above everything else that has come before it. And I know it sounds like hyperbole, and it probably is because I've just come from seeing it and I'm going to fucking hide from seeing it right now. And I'm sure over time there will be more things that I want to pick at or want to pick up on or want to re-examine on it on those extended views or those re-watches but for now all I will say is if you had any doubts about Robert Pattinson as Batman get those fucking thoughts out of your head now every single time that motherfucker steps on screen in that bat suit you are glued to that screen you will not take your eyes off of him he is the one of the most if not the most commanding batman that has ever stepped on screen every time he hits someone every look he gives everything he does means something and it is so so good and so interesting to watch and i honestly think that this alongside Michael Keaton's, is probably my favourite portrayal of Batman I have ever seen on screen. Um, and I would highly recommend casting out any aspersions that you have about the cast, the runtime, how it fits in the DCEU. If you enjoyed Batman on any level whatsoever, go and see this movie. Uh, grab a giant drink, grab a giant popcorn, and just fully immerse yourself in this incredible film that Matt Reeves and his incredible cast have put together. Um, I am going to leave it there because I don't want this review to go too much longer. I will say overall I enjoyed it. I did have some problems with the third act as I've addressed. It is a little bit too long in places but never too long where you're bored or you're wanting to kind of like look at your watch I just think that the third act itself was a little bit tacked on. That is my only real bugbear with this movie. And with that, I will say, overall, I'm giving this movie a 4.9. It's not quite a 5. 5 out of 5, just because of that, that ending and, and how much it adds extra it adds to the movie. But it's a very, very, very solid movie that is very, very, very nearly close to perfect. Um, and I would urge everybody to go and see it and, and support this movie. Um, with that said, have you seen The Batman? Are you planning to see The Batman? 
Come find us on social media, S-I-M-A-H-F pod, on Twitter, so I'm a horror fan, all lowercase, all one word, Instagram and Tumblr. Let us know what you thought of the Batman. Did you enjoy the Batman? Uh, are you planning to see it? Have you seen it? Like, let us know. Let's start a conversation. Let's get a conversation going. Um, if you ha- If you are seeing it, or have seen it. I hope you enjoyed the shit out of it. I'm looking forward to seeing people's reactions to it this opening weekend. I hope people have a really good time with it. Um, We will be back Monday, this Monday coming, the 7th of March. It will be me and Lee will be back uh, with our regularly scheduled episode on Sorority Row. As I say, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those places where you can leave us a review, please leave us a review. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Come join us on social media. Let's have a discussion about the Batman. Um, and also, we dropped another episode today on our 5x5 Top 5 Worst Remakes. Come join us over there. Let's have that discussion as well. Um, take care of yourselves. We'll see you in the next episode. Stay spooky. Stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>